Join Hans and Scotty Friday from noon to 3. Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic will be live in studio to discuss an FDA-approved breakthrough and permanent solution for ED with no pills, no surgery, and no needles. DJ and PK, it's time right now to talk college football with Tim Brando from Fox Sports. You heard him on the broadcast as the Utes were routed UCLA. He joins us right now on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Tim, good morning. Good morning, fellas. Good to be with you. Good to have you back on the air. Uh, You hit on some topics during the game that are of major interest around here, which is, of course, why you hit on them during a blowout. You had plenty of time to freelance a little bit. And so I'm uh, curious, though, for the people who didn't hear, maybe the fans who are at the game watching it in person, uh, your take on should the Utes be, are the Utes a top four team? And regardless of whether you believe it or not, do you believe the committee will believe it? Or are you looking at Alabama and Oklahoma and thinking those brand names are going to carry the day? Well, I think you understand where I come from with regard to um, the inconsistencies and the contrived transparency of the college football playoff committee. You can rest assured uh, they'll find a way to find what's wrong with Utah before they find what's right, and then they'll look the other way and uh, with the same set of circumstances facing one of the pure playoff privilege, that being a brand name like Alabama, uh, find a way to prop them up and keep them from dropping. That happened uh, a week ago with Minnesota. Uh, Mullins, the, the spokesperson, the, the AD of Oregon, uh, used used a stat on Minnesota for why they were where they were. Uh, and um, the, the stat could also be applied to Alabama. But he, you know, when it came to Alabama, it was, well, you know, the eye test. So, uh, you know, that's that's what they do. And uh, so it's it's always an uphill battle uh, for teams from the Pac-12 that don't have cachet. And I think it's even worse for Utah than it is for Oregon because Oregon is the team from the, the Pac-12 that's had recent success. They're the most recent team to go into the college football playoff. And, um, and generally speaking, from a TV standpoint, uh, by Pac-12 standards would be the the linchpin, you know, the the um, the Ohio State, if you will, of, of ratings. Uh, Oregon has always had a great following. Uh, it's earned that. That's a lot of sweat equity. Uh, their fan base travels pretty well. And they also watch. Uh, and they developed a, a brand during that uh, great run of Chip Kelly. So uh, that has carried through for them. Uh, so it's, it's going to be more difficult for Utah than it is for Oregon. Uh, in large measure because of that. And also Oregon's schedule is, is greater than that of, of Utah's. Uh, you know, who they chose to play and did play non-conference versus uh, who Utah played. But if you also watched uh, the, the show that uh, preceded us with Urban Meyer and, um, and uh, Brady and, and uh, Reggie Bush and Matt Leiner, I think they all expressed the thoughts that uh, Utah looks like a college football playoff type team, uh, and they certainly do. And uh, you know what's what's missing is that um, that signature win against a uh, you know a top twenty five team. And I think that that opportunity for them will come obviously when they get to play Oregon. Uh, listen, the um, the uh, the loss to USC was a tough one. It was against a third string quarterback, but it was on the road. That didn't seem to bother Georgia losing at home to South Carolina to a third-string quarterback, a team that's not nearly as good as USC's. But, it, you know, the warts are there, and they'll be brought up. Uh, they, they always are. 
I'm wondering, Tim, if there can be some type of, I don't know what you would call it, but just uh, a, a foundation to have like guidelines. And what I mean by that, as far as choosing the four teams, if you go 12 and one, and obviously you win your league and you win your league uh, final game and all that stuff, which in this case would be Utah. They, we already know they, they'll have to be Oregon. So, you know, we, we recognize Oregon has a better chance, but specifically for the Utes, and it could be any team, any conference really, you go 12-1 and one and you've won your league in the league final that you take precedence over a team that doesn't win its league. Is that something that could be done? No. Not in the current format, because they built this thing with the thought process in mind that these scenarios could pop up, and the protection had to be there for the so-called best teams, which is code for brand names. Uh, and God rest his soul, he did a great job as commissioner of the SEC, but Mike Slive swung a lot of power uh, when this playoff thing was put together in the aftermath of the BCS. And he was the one that basically just, uh, you know, drew the line in the sand and said, uh, listen, if it's about championships, we're in trouble because in the divisional breakouts of uh, power conferences now, uh, you could have a situation where a three- or four-loss team might win a division, get to play for its conference title. Then what do you do? We have to protect ourselves from a three- or four-loss team getting into the fray. By example, last year, Northwestern, uh, had five losses, and they played for the Big Ten title because the Western Division was so much weaker than the East. Um, that's why that was put in there. But, you know, the idea that uh, champions, it, 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 championships and champions should be a criteria, it is a criteria, but it's one that they'll only use when they want. You know, it's up to their discretion, the committee's discretion, when they use the various criteria that, that are listed, and there's so many of them that they can use the criteria as a crutch to hide behind whatever opinion they come out of here with. And and that's the problem. Uh, we will not have, to, to remove the subjective aspect of uh, the choices of the top teams to go into the college football playoff, the only way we can do that, gentlemen, is by going to eight teams. Because then you could say that you have to, you know, championships would matter. Uh, in the Power Five conferences, and then we'd have two wild cards, and then we could have a um, Group of Five team, which I think deserves an opportunity to be in the in the college football playoff as well. You know, those those teams in, in virtually have no chance. You know, it, it's interesting to me the UCF of this season. We got about five of them, including Utah. <laughs> you know, it's Utah, it's Oregon, it's Minnesota, it's uh, Baylor, it's. We can go on and on. All those teams are, are Power Five teams, and uh, teams like Memphis, Houston, UCF. Now they they, they don't even get to sniff it uh, because of the the process that we have in play. I, I've always said that uh, if we went to eight teams, we would guarantee the conference champions. And if what uh, Mike Slide was discussing could prohibit that from happening in the current format. If we had a champion with three or more losses from one of the power conferences, at that point we would give the committee the opportunity to review whether that three-loss champion was indeed worthy of being in the college football playoff. At that point in time, we would allow subjectivity to come into play. But, but let's, let, let's let it play out on the field. Let's have legitimate criteria where teams are actually winning their way in based on success on the field. To your point... I think that's what we need to do. 
But in the current format and with only four teams, that will never, ever happen. We're taking quite a bit of blowback from Utah fans for saying a lot of what you just said as far as it's a massive uphill battle for the Utes. Now, their path to get there, obviously they have to win out. There's eight one-loss teams, assuming the three unbeaten Clemson, Ohio State, and LSU run the table. There's one spot, and these eight one-loss teams are fighting for it. Now, one thing that factors in here is how many of these one-loss teams get a second loss? We know the Big 12 title game, the Pac-12 title game, ensure that a couple of teams will take a second right. loss there. Ohio State, can if they beat Penn State this weekend, they beat Minnesota in the title game, they knock two more out. Do you think Auburn will beat Alabama and give them a second loss and knock the tide out of this conversation? Well, you need to root for that, yes. I mean, you need to have Alabama... Uh, pick up that second L. But but let me say this, too. I think that the case for Oregon and for Utah, either one, uh, is improved greatly um, if, if Alabama is the team that's being debated as opposed to uh, uh, Georgia and LSU. If, if Georgia were to beat LSU in the SEC championship game, uh, I think that absolutely closes the door on the Pac-12 entirely. Because those two teams are going to get in. Georgia would have won the SEC championship. Uh, LSU has four wins against top ten teams at the time that they played them. Uh, and even with a defeat, and I'm, again, I'm assuming that LSU and Georgia would be a highly competitive game if Georgia won. Uh, if that happens, I'm telling you, two teams from the SEC are going to get in. But if LSU handles Georgia, Georgia picks up its second loss. You eliminate them from the conversation. And now the debate becomes a one-loss Alabama that once again did not play for its conference title, but as was the case a few years ago, got in anyway and went on to win the thing. When they're discussing in those in those rooms at that final that final meeting, who are the four best teams? If Matt Jones looks good coming in for Tua Tagovailoa and Alabama rolls Auburn, and they have one loss, that conversation piece versus a one-loss Pac-12 champion is going to be a difficult one. But I think it's one that the Pac-12 has a better chance of winning than if Georgia were to beat LSU. I think you've got to hope for LSU to beat Georgia and for that debate to be about a one-loss Alabama. perfect case scenario for fans in the Pac-12 would be, for either Oregon or for Utah, would be for um, LSU to beat Georgia and for Auburn to beat uh, Alabama. If that, that happens, I think it really opens the door for you. Um, something else that you have to remember, too, though, on the outer skirts of this conversation is that Oklahoma is also a big brand name. They're part of the pure playoff privilege. And they have in Jalen Hurts a lightning rod talent that has um, Heisman pedigree to him and is uh, one of those guys that, that you could say, gosh, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be? You'll hear this. Boy, wouldn't it be a shame if Oklahoma, with only one loss and two wins against Baylor, uh, and they were really dominant maybe in the, in the Big 12 championship, really be a shame that that kid wouldn't have a chance to play in the college football playoff. That would be the other competition for that spot. Uh, now, I think that uh, that's one that Oklahoma should not win. I would take Utah or Oregon right now over, over OU. But it's one that will pop up if OU handles Oklahoma State in Bedlam and then plays Baylor again in a rematch and blows them out. 
Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that one with Oklahoma and the Hurts uh, story and all that being a brand name. The way I look at Utah, you know, they they – they, I, they could have controlled their non-conference schedule a little bit better and play some more P5s, but their conference schedule is what it is, and it's really not yeah. their fault that this conference is down this year and is really mediocre at best outside of Utah well, and Oregon. We just say the same thing about Clemson. I mean, we just sure. say the exact same thing about Clemson. The only yeah. difference is they have Clemson's a history. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that for me, the the reason why I think if Utah wins out and beats Oregon, why I d- believe they deserve to go, is I asked Kyle Whittingham this, and you can speak to it because you've called a couple of games with uh, for the Utes playing here in, in recent weeks. Is in my mind, you talk about that eyeball test, and I asked him how many seniors on this defense do you think are NFL prospects, and he listed at least seven, and that doesn't count yeah. Jalen Johnson, who's a junior and is going to play in the NFL. So you're looking at eight potentially of the 12 or 11 starters be in the NFL. So to me, that means, yes, Utah passes the eye test, and yes, Utah Utah can compete with these teams. I don't even factor in the brilliant season that Huntley and Moss are having, but just defensively, if I've got 75% of their guys going to play in the NFL, that's good enough for me. Right, I'm with you. The the problem with the eye test is that not enough eyes are watching when you're playing at 1045 at night on the East Coast. Which I think is that—that's what you're playing this week. Now, last week yep. we had you in prime time. Last week we had you in prime time on the East Coast, which I think is helpful. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but the game in the aftermath of it all did get a little bit more run. Utah's been more of a talking point with the talking heads uh, whenever college football has come up. But that's another problem: is college football is not getting enough conversation during uh, the week in electronic media uh, as it once did. I think. That's a, that's a real byproduct of, you know, what we've had happen here with uh, the, the who's in mentality that, that really only four or five teams matter. I'll give you an example. I was watching before you guys called me today while I was working on my boards for Wisconsin. And, uh, I was doing some paperwork on my game for Wisconsin and Purdue, a pretty important game for the Badgers this week that uh, Spencer and I are going to have. And, uh <laughs> I've got ESPN on in the background, and what was the conversation piece? All right, how how good is Mac Jones going to do for Alabama coming in for Tua Tonga Vailoa? Mac Jones probably is this week and next week will have more uh, PR and more conversation than Tyler Huntley ever thought about having, and he's been, in my opinion, one of the most efficient and uh, most impactful quarterbacks in the country this side of Joe Burrow all year long. Uh, it's just a real problem. And uh, my, old, my old friend that I worked with uh, a generation ago on college game day when we started, Pino Cook used to say, you know, I always forget the mountain time zone. And, and it's true. Uh, you know, Oregon gets more run than, than Utah does. And the mountain time zone is, is problematic. It was, you know, a generation ago. It still is today. Um, that's just one of the things you have to fight. And um, I believe that, 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 that Utah, from both an offensive and defensive standpoint, could stand with any one of those teams and beat any one of those teams that are in this conversation. Absolutely no doubt in my mind. And, and I would tell you that even though I haven't had Oregon this year, I will. I believe we're going to do, in all likelihood, uh, it's not been made official yet, but there's a very good chance we're going to do the the um, Civil War game to close out the season uh, up in Eugene. 
So I think there's a good chance we'll be be there for that. But I had them at the end of last year, and I know I've seen you with my own eyes twice, and you were very impressive both times. If if Utah played Oregon right now at, at, at uh, Levi Stadium, I'd pick Utah. I think they're the most. Uh, I think they're a more complete team uh, than Oregon right now. But my opinion uh, doesn't matter, and um, it may matter to some fans in, in uh, Salt Lake, but it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. The the, the, the issue still remains that the, the who's in conversation all season long means that most of the media focus is on these brand names and only these brand names. So when the subject matter of Utah or Oregon comes up, most people that are in the central time zone and the eastern time zone, they couldn't name they couldn't name two or three players on your team. I've, I've been, I live in the South. I live in the SEC. And I'm telling these people <laughs> that are around me, hey, uh, there's three talents offensively, the Hallandale three, that could be in the SEC. In all likelihood, should be in the SEC. But Dennis Erickson went out and recruited his butt off while he was there as a running backs coach. And uh, with the help of, of a few other people, they were able to get these guys uh, out of Hialeah Gardens and a few other places in, in South Florida next to Miami, and look at what you've got. You know, Simpkins is an incredible uh, receiver, uh, dynamic receiver. Huntley's, uh, as I said, uh, the most efficient, undervalued quarterback in the country, ought to be invited to New York, should be in the Heisman conversation, and isn't. And uh, Zach Moss is just a warrior. I mean, he's like uh, uh, Marshawn Lynch light. Uh, he's going to be a big-time pro. He can catch passes and run it right up the gut. He, he can beat you with speed and power. Um, but but these these kids are largely anonymous because of not just the, the region of the country we're discussing, but because of the uh, the laziness of the of the way the sport is covered by the electronic media in college football today. Do you think it's laziness, or do you think it's market-driven? It's the fact that 70% of the people no, in America live no, in those two time zones. No, no, it's laziness. If, if all we have to talk about is Alabama, Georgia, LSU, uh, Oklahoma, Ohio State, uh, Michigan, if all we have to talk about are the Blue Bloods, then that means there's more time to discuss Harbaugh, there's more time to discuss you know, controversial coaches and big names to get in, you know, with these debate shows that are out there now, and they're on ESPN as well as my, my network. Fox is running them at nauseum. Uh, if we limit the, the, these these shows that we're seeing primarily on on ESPN and Fox to embrace debate, conversation, dialogue, then no one's learning anything. There, there's nothing. There's no information out there. Uh, and even on the shows that, that I'm, I'm really proud of, our college football show on the weekends. I mean, it's marvelous. I think what uh, the Big Noon kickoff has done has been fantastic. But you don't have a show on a regular basis on FS1 that is dealing with college football on a regular basis. And you really don't on ESPN either, unless you want to go to the college football live thing, which is, is to me, uh, you know, not a very good show and not one that I, 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 uh, I pay much attention to. Uh, the NBA, the NFL, and all of the, the, the drama that surrounds both of those leagues their owners and their players, uh, and to some extent their commissioners, that's what hogs all of the airtime. And when it comes to college football, rather than really covering the entire landscape, the media chooses to pick out the five or six because it's easy with the who's in brand. Uh, the, the branding of this process has helped bring college football to its knees in terms of coverage 
for all of the programs at the Division One level. I really believe that. I think it's been a disgusting and pathetic process that has taken college football, which during the BCS era was clearly getting a lot of attention. I mean, a lot of attention. And now that we've expanded it to four and it's become this who's in thing, we've dumbed down the conversation to a point where most people outside of their region don't know very much about any of the other teams around the country. Tim, as always, we appreciate the time and the opinions. Thanks for coming on the air. You bet. My pleasure, fellas. Anytime.